Welcome to Quick Save. Today we are donning our tunics and slamming some lawn lawn milk as we talk about 20 years of Ocarina of Time. Holy shit, we're getting old, dude. God, I was 10 when that game came out. I was I'm an, 30. I was an 8-year-old little lad. I knew it was coming too because in October, Majora's Mask turned 18. Oh, yeah. Because it came out, in, I think, October 26th of 2000. And I was like, oh shit, Ocarina of Time is coming up on its 20 years. And it just doesn't seem like it's been that long. No, it's pretty long ago. Mm -hmm. For me, it feels like a gulf. I don't remember anything beyond actually 23. Anything before that is gone. Are you like blacking in and out of your 20s? The Langoliers got it, Daniel. <laughs> you always mention the fucking Langoliers <laughs> nibbling at time and doing that thing. No, this is okay. So, this is a momentous thing. November 21st, 1998. Mm -hmm. Fucking Nintendo dropped this game. They've been working on it forever. They showed prototypes, I think, in 95 was their, their, their first prototypes, which it looked like Zelda Zelda 2's Link, mm -hmm. uh, but he was fighting fighting a knight, and people were like, oh my god, this is the future of Zelda. But they, they iterated on that even more and came out with, with this sweeping adventure in Hyrule. You play as a young Link, and at some point you, you turn into an old Link. At some point, you just got to pull a sword out of a yeah. pedestal. It's a whole thing. It's a whole affair. Yeah. But it's a momentous affair that has been uh, entrenched in gaming. It's still considered one of the best games ever made. I think it's one of the landmark 3D games of all time. Yep, absolutely. Set a mold. <clears throat> set a mold. So I mean, there's a reason why it still makes like best games of all time time list or the top 200 list that like game informer fucking publishes you can't kick it off man no. you, you can't kick it off it, it just its impact is felt to this day mm -hmm. to this day so do you remember getting when you were a kid okay 10 year old daniel picking up ocarina mm -hmm. of time for the first time walk me through what that was like the opening hours do you remember like the wonderment tell me tell oh me about God. you do i remember the wonder the wonderment sir um well i didn't pick up games back then because i was a 10 year old shit i had a bowl cut i looked really awkward and gawky oh my God. i was still missing all my teeth i actually got what does that mean gawky you're missing all of your teeth um so, <laughs> what, right. you lost them sidebar here when i was like i think like three or four i thought it'd be cool to swan dive off of a chair and into my kitchen linoleum and i busted out all my front teeth well one year right yeah yeah so i i lost them all and i had like a wire bridge in my mouth for a while um oh kind of keeping all the gaps like kind of a little tighter keeping them keeping what you got the, yeah together. basically i didn't have much at that point i, had, I barely had a okay. face from that that what? tribulation <laughs> what <the fuck? laughs> so um um, and it fell out at some point, and then my teeth grew back, and um, all this other shit. But I had like just awkward like teeth coming out of the gums and impacted stuff. Like I was, I had ugly teeth until I got braces. Got you. So yeah. So picking up this game, Miyamoto made you feel felt whole again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> made you feel like you had a mouthful of teeth <laughs> by the end. You got through that one, huh? No. So um, I got this game along with the N sixty four Entertainment Console for Hanukkah in nineteen ninety eight. I think it was what December nineteen ninety eight. Uh, at the time i hadn't owned an n64 i played it at friend's house like shadows of the empire uh mario kart racing super mario 64 here and there i actually remember renting the console for a little bit because you could do that from like i remember from blockbuster and hollywood video so i rented it for a week and i played like all through super mario 64 but then i had to turn it back and i'm like okay well now i don't have my console so my uncle david gratuitous as he is uh you know i think he was working a job back at like eckerd's or like one of those pharmacy deals back then when he was a manager and nobody knows what eckerd's is on the west coast I you, found out. you know we got to represent like it, it means nothing yeah, yeah. like I people don't know, know what Publix is either 
but you know he pulled together his, his hard-earned dollars to to make sure that i could have you know the latest in nintendo entertainment and uh he he got me that n64 he got me ocarina of time and rogue squadron two did games you, wait, that wait, i'll wait, never forget wait wait, wait 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 the gregarious uncle david did he <laughs> did he know that he was getting you like the two best games on that fucking console he had to have known because i think at the time well even before he was always ahead of of gaming trends and whatnot because like he was the one who got me in like mortal Kombat and some of the cooler sonics and like he turned me on to like tony hawk pro skater so like he knew he knew what was i'm sorry is your uncle david awesome (laughs) he's pretty awesome that's like very solid taste in in video gameage and now we are the ones who on the flip of the coin you know inform him and let him know what's up because you know we kept with it (laughs) yeah we're, we're so sorry for that but no. <laughs> <Go> ahead, <yeah. laughs> but no no he got it for me and i remember it being this really big deal i was one of those kids in those n64 compilation videos back and they were they were losing their heads and fucking screaming i got it on 64 oh shit <laughs> fucking banging my head into the glass table because i was so in your toothless mouth <laughs> <laughs> But no, the, the hype was real. I remember unwrapping it very, like, voraciously and, like, wanting to get into it. And it's usually the thing where, like, you know, when you have family over for Hanukkah, you'll still talk and you'll chill and you do your thing. But, like, they understood, like, all right, we're going to let them set it up. We're going to let them get into it while family's still over. Because usually I would have to wait until everybody left to have my own fun. And I remember it being a school night, too. So it's like, all right, my aunt was like, you have, like, an hour or so to play and then you have to go to bed. I'm like, all right, cool. So I fucking popped that cartridge in. Didn't have to blow in it. You know, one in first go. No blowies back then. No, huh? no blowies back then. Mm-hmm. None of those pins got all jank and dusty. Um, and I popped it in and it, it just kind of unraveled in front of me in a way I'd never seen. Because, like, I'd played Zelda games before. You know, I played a little bit of um, the original Zelda and um, Link's of the Past on the NES. Any Zelda 2? Not really. I didn't have access to it because I my cousin, that's whose console I played that on back in the day. And they didn't have that one. But I remember seeing, like, other people play it. And I'm like, oh, it looks cool. You know, it's a different, like, side-scrolling approach than the the top-down approach that the game used to have. So to see, like, all this stuff that I was familiar with, like, kind of unravel in, like, an open-world-esque, like, 3D way, it was kind of, like groundbreaking for me you know yeah for sure first of all i i didn't have as fortunate of a success rate multiple times in my life i fucked up by getting like a bad first game for a new console Mm -hmm. and that definitely happened i got an n64 i was eight years old christmas and (laughs) my first and only game was mortal kombat 4 yeah you always talk about this and i'm just like i it was such a sad thing because I would set up like the second, like the CPU fighter that couldn't fight back to like practice my fucking moves on him and shit. Mm-hmm. And it was just by myself. And I was like, this kind of sucks. But it's like, <laughs> it was so hard back then to yeah. convince your parents that like, I need another game to keep myself interested. And they're like, you got the one. You're, you're good. W- was Bill not a big spender on the video games back then? No, they were rightfully so. They were, you know, still expensive back then. Oh, God, I feel bad for him now with Kenny. And he also didn't understand it. It's like, you got one game that should last you like six months. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And back then, that's what we had to do. We had to make games last. Yeah, or the Blockbuster was the savior there. Because, like, he would at least take me there. Because mm-hmm. he'd be like, yeah, I want to rent the new Jim Carrey. <laughs> <laughs> and so you, I would be able to, like, rent stuff. So the, my weird experience with mm-hmm. Ocarina of Time is that I didn't have my own copy for the N64. Mm-hmm. I was renting it and playing on other people's saves. You told me this on the car ride back from lunch today where you're like, I was like, hey, did you ever beat it? And you're like, no, here's my deal. <laughs> <laughs> here's what happened to me. It was like, it was going like, it was like traveling through time in that game in an odd way where mm-hmm. it was just like, wait a second. Okay. I'm an adult here. Cool. 
<laughs> or like, oh, I'm still young Link. Mm. Uh, where are we at? And having to work backwards. I don't know why I did it that way. I don't know why I just didn't convince my parents. Like, can you? Can I? Can I get like this game? Yeah. Can like, can we buy this game? It was a hard sell back then. So it ended up here. Shame of shames. Forgive me, save roommates. I did not end up beating Ocarina of Time until I picked it up for the 3DS, the remake that they did in 2011. In 2011. Oh wow! I I was I could drink alcohol legally <laughs> before I beat this fucking childhood classic, which I still consider a big part of my childhood mm-hmm. for something I didn't beat. I literally treated that world in a different way, where I was just kind of in it and can, staying in it. Can you remember how far you got chronologically, or is it just so disjointed from your your playthroughs? For my di- from my disjointed playthroughs, mm-hmm. you got as far as being an adult and okay. got through. Um, like probably right around before you fight uh, Ganondorf, mm. uh, for sure. Like when when shit's really fucked, when okay. you can get to Hyrule Castle again, I definitely saw that stuff, but I didn't get that ending. I did not see the ending to that. Okay, game, essentially, yeah. Wow. Uh huh. That's crazy, isn't it? So when you went back to it in in 2011 and you kind of saw like this new upscale 3D version of it, did did it kind of serve your memory at all? Did you remember a lot of the beats or? Well, that's that's the great thing about some of these remakes is that they're remaking like your expectation rather than like what was actually there, and I feel. It felt like they really tightened up a lot of the controls. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've made th- things easier and added a lot of polish to it and cleaned up the graphics. So it was just like, oh, cool. This is kind of like the vision I had in my head. But like, if you go back and play the N64 version right now, it's like, mm-hmm. man, everyone's made out of harsh polygons. It's, it's a little dated in that regard. Yeah. yeah, it is a lot of jagged shapes. Right. But like at the time, like you don't know, you didn't notice it back yeah, you then. Didn't like it all it. looks smooth and no, very it, it well was realized. so different. Do, do you remember, like, okay, so playing that game for the first time, mm-hmm. like, what, what were you feeling and thinking? Because like, I have in my head. I just want to hear like where you're at. Um, those opening moments where you kind of see the overtext from the Deku tree talking about destiny, all, all this other stuff, and how like Navi's got to awaken this kid from the forest to kind of you know help save Hyrule. It was it was larger than life at the time because a lot uh-huh. of the games I played were like you know side scrolling platformers like Sonic. Sonic didn't have a sweeping narrative. No, it just saved the Flickies, defeat Eggman, do your thing, and like I got it a little bit into Final Fantasy VII because I had a PlayStation that like my stepdad had, but like I didn't get too hard into it so like this was my first really sweeping narrative so to like kind of get put in that role and then like wake up in this treehouse as this little elven boy and be like oh okay so fairy's waking me up talking about my destiny i'm coming out of the treehouse and like it does this cool like camera pan where like it opens up to the kokiri forest and you're like whoa this is really cool and really well realized because you see people like you see people dancing in the background you see shopkeeps and then like out of nowhere like your friend saria comes up you're like who's this girl and, like, the story that kind of unfolds in the forest in, like, the first, like, 30 minutes is just, like, it was gripping on its own. And you fucking meet the, uh, <coughs> what is it, the Great Deku Tree? Oh, you meet the Great Deku Tree. He's like, hey, Link, come on, save the world, jump inside me. It'll kill me, but you're going to save the world. And, and it's such an interesting and deliberate choice to be, like, this is that you're going to only be in this tiny village, which is kind of enclosed, mm-hmm. very inclusive, in the forest. And then you do your first dungeon in that tree. Yeah. And it's what you know. And depending on, like, what you're doing and how long you play, like, you could be in that dungeon for, like, two hours. You know? You could be in there for a little while figuring shit out, understanding shit, and then, like, this fucking... The tree man dies. And it's like... Like... If they were ever translate Ocarina of Time into a film, I would only want like Kubrick to direct at least that <laughs> that scene and sequence because he's the only one that could add the gravity to this. Oh my god! This ancient tree losing its life, and I would want James Earl Jones to voice the fucking Deku tree. <laughs> oh my god! It went next level, but. The next big thing that it does is like, okay, now you're going to go out to Hyrule. Mm-hmm. You're going to go to the castle. You're going to go to the field. And it's like this gigantic reveal. It's like it. 
I didn't have a point of reference as a kid for like that kind of experience. And then as you get older, you understand that, oh, the game is kind of segmented. It's not exactly open world. It just feels that way. But when you're a kid, it felt large, like it's endless almost. It's it's because the overworld map of Hyrule is very large. Mm -hmm. Well, at the time it was, you know. At the time it was. Yeah, it was huge. Even outside of its segmented areas, there were like, you know, rocks you can overturn and like hidden paths you can go down, like holes you can fall down. And like there were little mini areas where within that field that you could explore more granularly. Yeah, you know? that, that was a, that was one of the first games where it was like, hey, if you actually go out of your way to find, like, secrets, mm-hmm. you will find stuff. You will find yeah. treasures. You will find, like, these little passageways. Mm-hmm. I hadn't played games that did anything like that, you know? The, the crazy thing to me is, like, you can get through that forest, like, you know, some people might take two hours. It could take you five minutes to get through the dungeon. I know people who struggle to find their fucking sword and shield in the beginning because they don't give it to you plainly like you have to you know buy your shield and find your sword like hidden amongst like these hidden paths um so if you even get out to that first experience like you don't know what's ahead of you getting out in the field and like being told okay your next stop is hyrule castle you got to go talk to the princess you're going along you're doing your thing and then you notice like night and day cycles and you're like oh there's a world that's really affected here you know by the passage of time i'm i remember that first time running up to the castle gates and like dust starts to set and the sun goes down the drawbridge comes up and then skeletons come out of nowhere i'm like right what is happening there's (laughs) so much going on in there it's just it's it's so alive it's Mm -hmm. one of the very first uh worlds that i engage with in video games it just felt alive because i i hadn't played final fantasy up until that point Mm -hmm. i played that actually after the fact because i didn't get my ps1 until like maybe 2000 oh wow so i i actually had the uh the 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 little guy the Mm -hmm. ps1 edition and I bought like Dino Crisis and all the mm-hmm. REs and all that shit, and so I didn't get into Final Fantasy until down the road. So this was like my first, like like you're saying, a sweeping narrative game, mm-hmm. like this huge thing, and it, it really did feel special. It was the music that made it feel cinematic, felt like a fucking a very theatrical kind of experience, mm-hmm. and apparently that was kind of an influence on a lot of the mechanics and such. Like the development staff, they were actually inspired for Z targeting mm-hmm. off of the uh, the samurai cinematic shows that they used to have, where like the like, opera you know, houses and theater houses exactly yeah. so they they went out into kyoto watched a performance and saw uh, a ninja use a chain to attack a samurai and he was kind of like they're moving where like the link between them kind of informed oh hey do the rubber band effect for z targeting okay and then the way that they would like come in and only fight one at a time even though there's like 20 people on stage to mm-hmm. get the impression that they're in a big fight w- was just everybody like, kind of waiting their turn to like tactically fight also a thing that literally happens enemies do not attack you all at once it's one by one in the game so it's interesting to have that like everything is it's it's like they're bringing these influences of the theatricity is that the word <laughs> no no yeah i guess theatrical nature <laughs> yeah the theatrical nature of it and like in, in putting it in there and it makes this it really does feel like a sword and shield fantasy adventure mm-hmm. you know b- big it's a big game and then like by today's standards it's like yeah not 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 entirely but it's still so well paced and well structured yeah it, w- it was my first kind of like foray into like open world type games and like kind of being able to explore at your own will because everything i played beforehand was like kind of linear and this game it definitely is linear. You're allowed to kind of explore as you can kind of see things. Like, if you're like, there's a point at the horizon or, like, um, 
a domain that I think I can get to. If you have the items in your arsenal, you can do it. You might hit a wall at some point because like you might not have like a progression item or a song to help you get further. But like the game will let you at least go there and be like and pique your intrigue and be like, okay, how do I come back here and actually get further? Right. It, it did stuff I didn't seen. Like even with its like kind of short term like side quests, like you know the quest with the the big Goron sword, or like coming across people like the the postman and like him like having random races with you. Like I had never experienced mini quests that like made a game felt so continuous and alive. Like outside of its cast, because like you know the cast did a lot to help kind of flesh that game out. It really did. Like, I, I mean, every area had like an interesting little story beat to it. Like you know, the the graveyard at the top of Kakariko Village oh, where yeah. you meet the gravedigger and and then like the Poe show up for the first time. Did you know that's actually Ganondorf's speed of his laugh sped up to make the Poe like that I can't do it right, but yeah. <laughs> that stupid <laughs> fucking laugh that they have. Oh, I don't know. It's that. actually Ganondorf's laugh just sped up. Interesting. Stupid, right? What a thing to haunt a graveyard. Yeah, watch, watch some Did You Know gaming videos. I, yeah. was, I was watching a few before this. <laughs> so I want to talk about kind of like these big standout, because it isn't just that it was like the world. It also had these kind of cinematic experiences and story beats to it. Mm-hmm. Like what stands out in your mind as far as like these big moments? Uh, the, the big woe moments? The big woe moment. There, uh, there you go. That's the best way to put it. <laughs> this is, I, I have like, a, I think a few that stand out pretty prominently. Yeah. The one is obviously like um, the transition from being a child to becoming an adult. Like, that blew my mind. Yeah. Like granted the game advertised it, you know, it's like, Hey, you're going to straddle two different timelines and dimensions. And it wasn't even a new idea to the series because like, Link to the Past dealt with like two separate realms that kind of like interplayed with one another. And they they kept doing that down the line with the Oracle of Ages and Seasons. So like time wasn't like a unique idea to Nintendo and, and their Zelda property. I, I think just because it was the first time we were seeing Zelda in 3D, mm-hmm. it was a very pronounced like kind of difference. I'm like, I'm a, I'm, I'm a kid Link this entire time. Mm-hmm. And you're even stymied in the mechanics where it's like, oh, I can't reach that ledge because I'm a fucking kid. Yeah. Or, oh, I don't have whatever item it was. Yeah, because you had your adult items that you could yeah. use and your kid items. Exactly. Like you were kind of limited to like your boomerang and your slingshot as a kid but, but then as an adult you got like your uh big goron sword and your megaton hammer and your hook shot and it's like your arsenal di- like was totally contingent on what timeline is, isn't using. it weird that miyamoto made a game where it's like there are things that you can do only as an adult mm-hmm. and not as a kid but vice versa is kind of a metaphor <laughs> No, it's, I, in some some sort of way, it's a very fascinating it's philosophy. A Mio, it's a Miyamoto ass metaphor, is what I mean <laughs> to say. But no, that was that was a crazy reveal, even though we knew it was coming. And then you get to see this world that's realized in a whole nother capacity. It's like okay, like it's been seven years, you've been trapped in the sacred realm, and yeah. Ganondorf has fucking reigned his terror over everything. And you see like the impact that he's had on certain like areas, like the Lon Lon Ranch, or like. Kokiri Forest or the Goron's Demand, like every place has felt his wrath at one point or another. And the world interacts with you differently as a result of it. Some people even remember you, like, hey, aren't you that kid who helped me when you were younger? Yeah, that's actually really crazy. That's really crazy to have that that stark difference between lands and feel like the mm. the effect i i thought about that as a kid because it was weird it was eerie because it was like i know this but it's different now and it's yeah. bad and it, was, I need, it, it kind of encourages you to be like wow it puts this kind of importance on your mission it's like oh i'm really doing something i'm helping this this high rule because mm-hmm. it's fucked right now there's ghosts showing up in the yeah. fields now it's crazy yeah no it, it was like that that was one of the big wow moments though where it's like okay i thought like when i rounded out zoro's demand i'm like cool i'm gonna go to the hyrule castle 
asshole. I'm going to fight Ganon. And he's like, no, I'm going to throw your ocarina in the fucking water. And you're going to fucking deal with it, punk. <laughs> I, I really enjoy getting swallowed by Jabu Jabu. Oh, that was a good a one. giant whale. Yeah. That was a great ass dungeon. It was like, I was like, what is this? Like, how do they even think? Well, it, Pinocchio. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the first three like dungeon designs are really, really unique. Like the, you have yeah. the Kokiri forest, great Deku tree. You have the Dodongo caverns sure. where you're fighting in these like heat mines and you have to be very aware of like temperature and elements and stuff like that and then yeah jabu jabu it's like you're literally like hitting uvulas and like fat pockets and stuff to just like get from like room to room it's it's really interesting yeah and uh god damn it there i love the uh, gerudo valley parts those always stood out the music always stood out there yes. as well the music is such a how, how often do you fuck with like just uh, the the c the c <laughs> buttons to make your own oh jams? i was playing ocarina hero for the fuck of it dude like i <laughs> all hours a day you can hear this weird like piping you ever fuck around and then accidentally play a real song and it's like oh no i caused a storm <laughs> That would happen a lot in uh, Majora's Mask because they let you kind of fuck around with like the arrangement of some of the themes and it'll do different things. That's the question too. I, what is your favorite between the two? Like, I think you're more Majora's Mask, right? Oh, uh, I mean, we always talk about it. I think I, I really do love like the style and world of, of Termina and Majora's Mask. And like, I, I love the three day cycle of having to have this sort of impending peril over you that forcing your hand of like, okay, I have X amount of time to accomplish this goal, whether it's, you know, finishing a side quest or doing a dungeon. It's like, I have to do this in the parameters and the world is reacting accordingly different depending on what day it is. So like I might see characters in one spot on day one that I want on day two and so forth. So it really caused you to think about like your your play sessions in unique ways. I, I don't know, I dug it. I think it's the coolest one for me, but like Ocarina of Time's always been my favorite. Okay. They kind of go hand in hand though, because you know, Ocarina and Majora, like Majora's a kind of a direct sequel. Uses a lot of the same assets. Like it's there's mm. a there's a familiarity to it for sure. And I mean, how could I not love the one thing I always wanted from Ocarina, which is like the happy sa- uh, happy mask salesman timeline where like you start getting masks for like random people. And I'm, I remember <laughs> yeah, that like pervert. I remember walking around with like the Keaton mask or the Goron mask and just talking to people and just wishing like that like I could imbue power from them. And then like two years later, Majora's mask comes along. And it's like yeah, you could become a Goron. Yeah, you could be a fucking Zora. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah. Just the 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 time peril factor was mm-hmm. something that always put me off of the game. I did, I actually didn't like the Groundhog's Day nature of it. It's it's a cool mm-hmm. concept. But I just. I don't know. There's something that just frustrated me about mm-hmm. things resetting or even have to repeat activities. Oh, okay. That was kind of just like, I was like, ah, no, I hate it. I don't like it. They had an interesting <laughs> approach with that one because I think um, they wanted to use more game data, but they needed to cram it onto the same sort of like 32 megabyte cartridge. Okay. So using the day cycles actually allowed them to recycle assets and data within those time frames rather than having to save it all. So it's like, it would reset your progress, so it's like, it wasn't there in the first place. Oh, it's good to know yeah. uh, the reasons why they chose to give me nothing but pure anxiety <laughs> when I played a Zelda game. Yeah, just, just so they could fit more on the disc. But no, so Disc? Or the, on the uh, tisk, 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 Daniel. Yeah, never made it to the D drive. <laughs> Nintendo, don't fuck around with discs. <laughs> but no, that was a big well moment. Another one was uh, stealing a horse. 
Oh yeah, from Lawn Lawn Ranch. Yeah, I, I mean, well, fucking Red Dead before Red Dead. Huh? Well, you go to Lawn Lawn Ranch as a kid. You meet, you know, Mal, and you meet these people, and then you go back and as an adult, and you're like, oh, there's this horse that I remember seeing as a kid that this girl taught me a song about, and you're like, all right, well, I'm gonna call it to me, and you know, use it to win these races against this weird looking Luigi guy. I think his name was Inigo. Yo, real. Well, first of all, that dude Inigo looked exactly like Luigi, mm-hmm. and then like, uh, what what was the name? The girl's name? Malin. Malin's father looked like Mario, and that was a purposeful thing. Because I don't know if you knew, Miyamoto made Mario. He did. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's why, like, in Link's Awakening and some of the earlier games, you see, like, reused things like Chain Chops or, like, Goombas. And, like, it's it's, awesome. it's really interesting. But, no, so the Lon Lon Ranch uh, thing where you get a horse and then, like, you're basically told, okay, you can have the horse, but you can't leave the ranch. And I'm like, what the fuck? And, like, if it was one of the first instances of me being able to break the parameters of the game because, like, you basically determine that, okay, here's how I have to get out of here. I have to jump the wall of the side of the ranch. And, like, you basically, like, run around the entire track, build up enough momentum, and you're like, cool, here's a sweet spot. Jump out, and you steal a horse from, like, this dude, and he remembers you for it. You <laughs> fucking asshole, yeah. kid. That's pretty wild. I, I think, it, obviously, the biggest moment for me is sticking a goddamn sword in uh, Ganon's face. Oh, my God. Such a great ending. What a crazy, violent end. Exactly. <laughs> but it's like, that's exactly the satisfying ending mm-hmm. that you wanted for such a gigantic adventure. Yeah. Where, where, overall, this guy, despite the Nintendo's attempts to humanize his ambitions, mm-hmm. is still a gigantic pain in the ass yeah. throughout the story. So, it, it was it was great plunging the Master Sword mm-hmm. through the fucking Grandmaster master of pain in the assery that's true i enjoyed that very much i'll never forget the chic reveal oh shit yeah, that's dude, another one that yep. was one back in the day like fuck yep yep okay yep. princess zelda i see you doing espionage because like the gerudo thieves are after you and you don't want ganon to find you good there's, work there's a lot of things going on in that story it really was it was like super super well thought out very well realized it had very seamless uh, computer-generated cutscenes that like felt like they didn't take you out of the game because it happened so seamlessly. Yeah, because like, it was rendered in real time. Yeah, which is it's awesome. It actually made it easier for them to kind of uh, develop and update the game on the fly because I guess like pre-rendering takes more legwork than making that happen. Yeah, that would have taken forever because the cartridge, the N64 cartridges weren't really meant for that. That's why that made um hey here we go Resident Evil, Resident Evil Two. The cartridge is like one of the heaviest because they put those fucking like mm-hmm. FMVs in it from the P- PS1 okay. edition, and it just takes up so much memory. That's true. Yeah. Well, before Resident Evil Two came along, this was actually the biggest game on the 32 megabyte yeah. cartridge which is yeah. that's insane but there's a lot of game there like i think i spent like 40 plus hours on this game and i had never done that with anything before exactly like so. it's it's one of the first big investments that i remember but i was really in love with having that adventure i remember sitting belly flopping in my florida home As on my mom's ugly ass rug <laughs> that fucking rug and just playing this fucking game and just getting entranced and mm-hmm. like just losing hours and you know have my dad come by and like i don't understand this shit <laughs> <laughs> and just like really really loving it yeah it's, it's definitely i think for a lot of people and especially a lot of people in our age i'm 28 you're 30, 30 yeah that it is almost consistently a part of their childhoods mm-hmm. and their love of gaming kind of began there and with rightfully so you know it, it's it's a goddamn classic i mean it remains to me as one of the like the most influential games i've ever played I always say, like, it informed everything I know about video games. Every solution to a puzzle, I owe credit to this game because I know how to solve it. If there's enemies in a room, I know to kill them all. If I'm trapped in a room, I know, okay, I probably have an item to get out of here. The game wouldn't put me in this situation 
if I didn't. It taught me to really appreciate narrative design, characters, world building. The first instance of a game where like sound design actually mattered because it was integral to like puzzle solving. You know, it just, it really, it broke my little kid mind to think that all this stuff was at play and then look back on it. It's like, damn, yeah, this is the reason why I like the sort of things I do now. Like, I don't think I'd like video game music nearly as much if Koji Kondo hadn't knocked it out of the park with the soundtrack. What is a favorite theme of yours from this game? I love Song of Storms, man. I love pissing off that like little accordion guy in the, uh, (laughs) in the windmill. Oh God, every time. God but damn I, I like some of the later themes in the for the temples. The bolero of fire is really cool. Mm. Uh, Serenade of water. What's a bolero? It's okay. So you know when we talk about like our music terms, our rondos, like we did and once before. Aria. Yeah, and, yeah. So bolero, it's like kind of it's a dance. It's like a flamenco Spanish inspired dance. So, like, so kind of a sexy dance. Kind of a sexy dance. Oh shit! You know? Okay. Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then... Wait, don't you fight a giant fire lizard <laughs> during yeah, those parts? You fight a fire dragon and you free imprison yeah. Gorons, but that's besides the point. Okay, okay. It's sexy. Still sexy. Still sexy. <laughs> Still sexy because gotcha. it's so hot in that volcano. <laughs> God, I love the Nocturne of Shadows. Yeah. Just all the later stage ones because they're just, they were really unique. And prior to that point, like when you're a kid, they just have you do the same three like C button hits every time. It's like, bum, 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 bum but like no. those ones were a little more like okay there are eight notes here and they might not be in the same order then you have to kind of write them down like i remember writing them down to like get them right oh shit dude. yeah it's fucking great yeah it's uh, i would <laughs> it's almost like um the way that the zelda games are scored mm-hmm. just reminds me of the way that uh john williams approaches films okay you know like they're they're always trying to capture a mood and capture a certain feeling mm-hmm. and it just bolsters it in a way that i think just it elevates the rest of it like it's it would be it's foundationally fucking great the mm-hmm. gameplay the story the environments mm-hmm. but without that music i don't think that it this series would be as ingrained in people, mm-hmm. you know, just like stuck in their heads. I mean, the games have traditionally always had very memorable scores right. and soundtracks. Like that's why they do like Symphony of the Goddess and like Zelda concerts because like these themes are big; they're important to people. You know, didn't you go to one of those? I, d- I went to the Symphony of the Goddess in like 2012, and it was really cool because like it was at I think the Doctor Phillips Center in Orlando, and they just sit you in this like theater, and like they, there's a live pit orchestra, and they basically just show like on screen gameplay. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so I'm watching, do, I'm watching let's plays. Huh? Yeah, I'm watching this okay. like oddly rendered link like to a fucking hundred piece orchestra. <laughs> okay, well that that better be official content because mm-hmm. Nintendo they're not into that. Well, well actually, not- they they ended the content creator program, so <laughs> so you can monetize your videos, kids. Oh Go. my god. <laughs> But no, it's so many memorable things. The weapon sets. The fact that you needed certain tunics to do certain things. Like, couldn't survive in that volcano without my fire tunic or I'd burn alive. That's that makes perfect sense to yeah. me. Or you need those uh, those boots that keep you at the bottom of uh, of water so you can solve some puzzles because yeah. you keep on floating otherwise. But you need your blue tunic, otherwise you suffocate. You just dra- yep, yeah. that's a thing to think about. So just like little things that you had to think about in context of the, the levels they were given to you in, and then you found ways to use them in other situations where it's like, cool, how do I overcome this new puzzle with my other items that I didn't have before? And it just builds on itself in very integral ways. Which is not like an unfamiliar concept no. in Nintendo because like Metroid hinges on that whole run into a thing 
can't can't use an item mm-hmm. on it yet because you don't have it and then come back to it but the way that it plays with time for that like the beans that you drop into the ground yep. that you have to become an adult to watch them actually grow yep. so over like what, what was the gap again it was like 10 years eight years oh seven years oh it was just seven years yeah, yeah seven years it's fucking cool hey how about that really really long convoluted quest to get the fucking goron sword oh the big goron sword where you yeah. have to find out like a blue cacao and like give it to you gotta start a small business that's (laughs) successful in the outside of hyrule castle (laughs) you gotta see stupid you gotta talk to certain people and find lost dogs for for debutante women (laughs) (laughs) that yeah that was a that's a a little thing that happens yeah god what i would have done for heart containers back then man now i'm just having like flashbacks like that now i've been thinking about it remember like like, all these moments wearing your mask of truth and like hearing the dog's thoughts that was fucking what the shit (laughs) Or find the blue cuckoo that was like the most special one to find, mm-hmm. or the Scotilla people that were like cursed, where they oh make my these God. horrible like sounds when they like roll down. It was weird, like body horror before I'd ever known it. Oh my God, it's Cronenberg Plus. That was like one of my favorite side quests that you had to do that was reoccurring, like finding the tokens to save these people from this curse. It's fucking creepy, or or worse, like when you go to the Kariko village. Um, there's a lot of horror going on in that village yeah. for some reason. You you go to the graveyard and you find a temple or like a tomb down there mm-hmm. and you run into the re-dead, one of the like the worst and creepiest enemies mm-hmm. that if they see you, like they just zap the life out of you. Essentially, they can cling to you, you know? And they drain your health. It fucking sucks and it was horrible and it was like the first time that I experienced frustration with something that I still experience frustration with to this day, which is I hate when a video game takes control away from me. Yeah. I hate it when it happens. I, I believe that. It, it, it's the worst pain in my life. Most people's comparative worst pain in terms of this game is the water temple. But, you know, it's oh. not that big of a deal. Well, did you did you master the water temple where you just, like, figured it out? You fucking had a, a UI overlay, like like a computer hacker figuring out the water temple? I think it just, at that point, like, 20 hours into the game, like, I'm yeah. having so many dungeons under my thumbs, like, it just, it was a natural progression where I'm like, oh, I know what I'm doing. I just have to be mindful of where the water is at and what I'm doing. I think I got stopped at the Dark Link fight because it was a little challenging. I, I wasn't used to mirrored fights oh yeah okay um but then once i got past that i was like cool smooth sailing here i think i only really got stopped pretty hard on um like the fire temple actually because like you have to find keys to like set the gorons free and i I missed something along the way i got stopped because whatever copy that i would rent from blockbuster would have like (laughs) you know either no saves or maybe like saves in the middle of the game Mm -hmm. That's you. Know, that was my big blocker. Yeah, just not being able to start and finish. This that kind of, that sucks, dude. <laughs> Honestly, if I hadn't been able to have this sort of experience with it that I did, I would have been very, very upset. Because like for the the month that I had it, it's all I played. I tried to 100% complete it. I got all the heart containers, all the items. I came up with little meta games for myself. Where like uh, after, tell me like, about how you played with yourself, Daniel. <laughs> so like you know, I would play, and after like you know, I'd beat it like two or three times. I would come up with like little stories for Link, and like what? come up with all alternate beeline adventures and kind of come up with new identities for some of the characters i got really creative with it holy shit but then on the challenging level where um i had heard my my schoolmates murmuring about like the uh, the heroes challenge where you have to beat the game with three hearts and not take any like deaths that's not a real thing it is it was a thing that's not a thing it was totally a thing and i totally did it these little shits yeah dude so you beat the game with just your original three hearts and you're not allowed to die because the game actually kept track of how many times you died. Did you do it? I did it. What the fuck? Yeah. You really did it? I did it. <laughs> are, are you okay? Uh, I'm okay. I survived. You know? <laughs> okay. it's, it took some time. You want to do it again? 
Uh, I wouldn't mind. Do a breath, breath of the wild that way. Oh, no cool. heart containers. No. <laughs> I mean, there are people who race from the Great Plateau to the Ganon fight and have managed it somehow. Yeah. Do you happen to know the the speed run record for Ocarina? I don't. I don't actually. Isn't it like seventeen minutes or something ridiculous? What would you have to do? Oh God! How do you even break the game? Like Google that? will help us immediately okay. for this good, good podcasting. Google, <laughs> what's the speed run record for Ocarina of Time, Nintendo sixty four? Google's waiting. Uh, it looks like 17 minutes and four fucking seconds. And somebody actually did it on the uh, Wii, Wii Virtual Console version. I don't know if there's like some sort of glitch that you can explore. There has shit. to be. There's got to be if it's 17 fucking minutes. How do you, you, you have to like be able to get to the Temple of Time right away and then just go straight to Ganon after that. You meet that tree, that tree dies within fucking two minutes. <laughs> Hey man, life in Hyrule. Moves is there fast. a way to what, what was the 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 Zora princess called? Ruda. Ruda, yeah. Ruda, is there a way to just like fucking chuck that bitch across <laughs> the fucking whale? <laughs> like she she lands in a perfect spot where it's like okay, now I don't have to worry about puzzles with her. <laughs> I gotta watch it. Oh my god, yeah, I have to see that too. Yeah, so. You brought up something strange to me. Like, we got Ocarina. Ocarina's perfect. It's great. But you brought something strange to me. You said you wanted to give me a pitch for a Zelda game that you would make. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, game pitch. Here, we're doing it here. So this is a Save Room Industries trademark, if you guys are listening. You can't have it. Can't have it, we, fuckers. We, we are officially trademarking for, what is it, online video game entertainment? Uh-huh. For uh, online software meant for consoles and, and personal computers. You heard it first. So I, <laughs> outside of my wild child like mine, as, a, as I grew up, I was like, well, I had always fought for the idea that Zelda was like an open world RPG and people were like, no, this is an RPG. And like, as I grew to like learn Final Fantasy games and actually learn what those things were like across like, you know, Chrono Trigger and FF9 and FF10 and all this other shit. I'm like, oh yeah, I was, I was wrong. It has elements of that in my mind. I was like, why don't they make Zelda an RPG? So I had this crazy thought in that 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 moment where you go to take the sword out of the great at the temple of time out of the, the great pedestal, rock out of oh, the pedestal okay. of time yeah ganon traps you there he traps you inside the temple of time he collapses it on you and you're kind of stuck in the sacred realm i wanted to explore the seven years in between as the land is like being granted its ruination so you would basically be one of four classes across the tribes you'd be a sheikah a goron um a kokiri like warrior or uh, Azora, and okay. you would have different like class-based elements and like play styles. Like your Sheikah would be kind of like a, a nimble-like ninja thief. Okay, and would have attributes on that, or like a, like a like a rogue, like a rogue type. Your okay. Goron would be more of like a brute class, um, and stuff like that. And I like the idea of exploring like the the seven years in between, and like maybe you have to interplay with the other tribes, like depending on the one that you pick, and kind of help save Link and take back control of Hyrule over again. And you know, oh shit, dude. Yeah. I'm really into that. Yeah, I don't. I liked. I think that could be like a cool spinoff from like Ocarina, where it's like, hey, this is what happens, yeah. like, or you know, in that circumstance. I don't know because there's so much like contextual storytelling that happens, like when you become an adult and you're looking back on the ravaged lands, and you're like, what actually did happen here? Yeah, granted, like 
uh, Ganon probably took his army of like fucking weird Skatula people and, and Skolas and Lizal- <laughs> Liz- what are they called? Lizalfos and lizard and, people and, and fucking Pose. Yeah, and-, and Pose and just did his thing. But like, I, I would like to see these tribes resist or, you know, have like kind of an underground rebellion against them. Oh, goodness. Yeah. We always talk about like the political systems in Zelda. Like, I, it yeah. would have explored it a little bit more. The, the closest thing that you got is Hyrule Warriors has some like RPG light stuff yeah. and has the different characters, but like. That's just a gigantic fucking hack and slash. So two games beat me to the punch, Hyrule Warriors with that, and then um, Breath of the Wild a little bit with its kind of like post-apocalyptic setting, because like there is a lot of like aftermath and how the people of Hyrule have dealt with stuff like that. Hmm. And I don't know, I like exploring themes like that. I like exploring themes of like uh, redemption and overcoming like great odds and evil. So I don't know. And I I wanted the soundtrack to be like a post-rock soundtrack of like just Zelda songs. Like super gritty and kind of rock heavy. Really? Yeah. It, Goodness. It was it was something that I was gonna like write and fucking like I was learning how to do like video game scripts and stuff like that and I was like yeah I'll even make the soundtrack and then I just never did it you know as as some great ideas fall. Yeah, that's that's what it is. Yeah. that's what it is. That would be really cool to hear some fucking like rock heavy kind of interpretation. Well, I, th- I mean, there's a bunch out there already. But... Well, yeah, Corey Johnson being one of them that like his oh, his good. Hero of Time album yeah. like inspired thoughts of that. Yeah. Where I'm like yeah i kind of want more of this i kind of want to like roll out in a hyrule field and hear like some like really cool like drum fills or like driving guitar i like that shit (laughs) yeah i like that shit a lot my pitch would be an open world game that takes place in neo hyrule so so, you know we got a heavy cyberpunk thing going Mm. on there and i would definitely want some like um epona is just like a light cycle of some sort and you're just going up and down skyscrapers but like you know that's as far as i got which is essentially just like one Sparth concept art image. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Legend of Zelda 2077. No, I, 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 I want to see like some cool shit like that. Yeah. Uh, play with RPG aspects or just like maybe see what Zelda does. Put Zelda elements in another genre. Mm-hmm. Like what if you did a Diablo kind of dungeon Ooh. crawler? But it had those Zelda heavy elements that kind of remind you of like a ocean horn, like solving puzzles yeah. from that perspective and stuff. But then you get into these really awesome fucking fights and then you can like switch between gear and stuff. I would really be into a game like that. I, I think would that, super fuck with that. That would be super at home on the Switch. And if you make it multiplayer, that would be like the perfect weirdest Four Swords sequel branch off that you could do for a zelda game it's interesting to see how the brand has experimented with different like genre types like with four swords or even like open world survival elements like breath of the wild like that design while not new to the game series was definitely new to the franchise and it did a lot for people although it didn't do much for me in terms of like what i wanted from it but you know i wanted this post-rock post-apocalyptic uh landscape i know? mean you got kind of a really green post-apocalypse in breath of the wild yeah you know? it, it's super lush its ecosystems yeah. are very gorgeous it's all about the lush it's 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 good but gotcha i don't know so daniel can you recommend ocarina of time to the kids out there that are, uh, that are playing the Fortnite? do you think it'll still be special to to the the jaded uber millennials is what we're calling the next generation what do we what do we got <laughs> i i would give it um f- five out of five hyrule castles it's it's great yeah <laughs> it's it's a it's a game that is informed and influenced and has has had and will continue to have a very big legacy on people you know i absolutely agree i think if you uh, like gaming and want to kind of understand the history of gaming, the one of the biggest pillars out there that informs what has come since is mm-hmm. Ocarina of Time. Yeah. It's an absolute classic. It ends up on every like top fucking 20 list. I don't even like, 
it never is ever lower than in the 15s for no most it, lists. it's metacritic to this date is actually the highest metacritic of all time for it's, a video game yeah 99 out of 100 holy yeah shit. it released two universal appraise back in the day fives out of fives tens out of tens like people were raving about it because it was it was groundbreaking it was ahead of its time and it ushered in a new era of 3d games that now we kind of take for granted because it's it's all we have you know I really didn't like uh, the Death Mountain uh, with the rocks, though. Oh, that was kind of that was a tough little when the rocks are coming in and the spiders are coming at you. Yeah, I really didn't like that meme. <laughs> but otherwise, fucking great game. Fucking great game. <laughs> really I, great game. I mean, there's a reason why people are trying to recreate it in Unreal Engine and they keep porting it and all this other stuff. I want that? I want that so bad. God, that fucking <laughs> that Unreal Engine demonstration in Kakariko Village is like it's my childhood reborn. I just want to see the cuckoos. I want to see them. I want to attack them. I want to see their wanna, angry bird faces. I want to fly with them oh my god but yeah um mm. we talk about a lot of games on the show we talk about re2 we yes. talk about ocarina of time and yep. these are the games that inform us you know they're the reason why we're passionate about what we do and why we... yeah absolutely. oh god our marines yeah yeah oh yeah all of them all of them <laughs> did you know that at the time that this game came out it actually outsold gex like you... it came out the same year that sounds like bullshit yeah actually i have a quick uh no that sounds like bullshit bro i have a quick <laughs> list here for you despite only being available for the last 39 days of the year it went on to sell 2.5 million units globally making it the best-selling game of 98 it outsold games like half-life metal gear solid crash bandicoot warped resident evil 2 on the ps1 pokemon yellow starcraft and tomb raider 3 I think you people f- thought the the gold cartridge was real gold and that's why they were buying it out they were preparing for Probably. Y2K at that point. Yeah. They knew about it. And the Majora's Mask came along, and it's like, oh, this yeah. is the gold standard. This is the gold standard. <laughs> are there gray Ocarina of Time cartridges? There are. I have that one. Wah, wah. I know. Listen, I'm not going to fault Uncle David for that one. He didn't know <laughs> He didn't know there was a gold cartridge. He didn't know. Actually, it was really difficult. They actually had to cut off pre-orders for it because it sold the fuck out for, like, EB Games back in the day. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It was bad. Or uh, Yeah, Electronics Boutique. Yeah. That's back in the day where, like, I didn't have any sort of, like, cognizance of things like that. I didn't know that people made games. I thought they were just magic. Yeah. This is one of the first games where I got to know, like, the personnel. I was like, oh, yeah, they're actually, like, really talented people behind these sorts of games. Nintendo quality, see ya. I like it. Well, this has been a quick save, guys. It's been quick for you. Quick save number three. Uh, I guess the end of the ha- end of episode housekeeping here. Oh, uh, we got to do that here, too? Yeah, why not? Uh, okay. We got a new episode out in the wild. If you happen to catch this one before that, I don't know. That'd be weird if you did. It's episode 46. We talk about Fallout. We talk about Red Dead. We talk about Call of Duty. Check it out. <laughs> for you. Yeah. Um, you can find us over at Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes. Uh, you can find us at home, though. You know, Google Play. Google Play. <laughs> you can find us mainly, though, at SoundCloud.com slash The Save Room Show. Yeah, it's that. No, we, you're right. That's where we've done our thing. For some reason, they still let us host there. You can find us on Twitter. You can find mm. at Save Room Show. There you go. Yeah. See, there's there's kind of a consistency. Yeah. Don't do the Save Room Show. No, no, no. Save Room Show. We were gonna be what Save Room Boys on iTunes until I was like, we should probably change that. I change it and for you. Keep it consistent. I change it for you. It was good. I liked it. And we also we play video games, don't we? Sometimes we do, and sometimes we stream it. You can actually okay. find me on Twitch.tv slash The Red Herb, and they can find Daniel Twitch.tv slash Dungeons and Daniels. There you go. Yeah. Well, all right, we got to end it quickly, though. We Thanks, do. guys. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>